Well, of John chapter 14, and we'll go a little bit back and forth between John 14 and 15, but the title of the message this evening is The Blessings of Obedience. The Blessings of Obedience, and I've got a, I've got a quote there right at the top of your notes, and it says this, Obedience is the only path that leads to the glory of God. Now, I would, I would say that obviously faith must be involved in that as well. Uh, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But I would say that faith then... ...is the only path that leads to the glory of God. So just by way of introduction, I want to give you three, three short things that kind of go along with that. And number one is this. To obey God is to display love for Him. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. You know, when we, when we obey, when first of all we're aware of His commandments, and when we obey, that's the last thing that it is is grievous to us. It's a blessing to us. And His commandments are not, are not difficult to follow, and they've been presented to us so clearly. And it says they're not grievous. And then we just read the verse earlier, John chapter 14 and verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. You know, if, if, if I went down each and every row to every person that was sitting in this auditorium tonight and I asked you if you love the Lord, I mean, how, I mean I, how many of you would say, no, I don't love the Lord? I think we would all, I think we would all say yes. But what it really boils down to is, are we keeping His commandments, therefore displaying that we love the Lord Jesus Christ? That's really where the rubber meets the road. Yes, we're, we're, all willing, we're all willing to say, yes, I love the Lord, but can we prove it? Where's the proof? All right, number two, to obey God is to display loyalty to Him. John chapter 15 and verse 14 says this, Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. You know, how, how many of you ever had a friend, and maybe, maybe you had a friend from the time you were young, maybe even to this day, that for decades and decades has been loyal to you? How many of you have a friend like that? I've, I've got a few friends like that that have been loyal to me my entire life. You know, in, in a, friend, a friendship, if there's loyalty on both ends, has to work that way. It has to come from both ends. Our, our God and our Lord and our Savior has absolutely been loyal to us. But the question is, are we being loyal to Him? And we'll say more, we'll say more about that as, as we go along. And then the third thing, again, just quickly by way of introduction, to obey God is to display laudation or worship to Him. I think we're familiar with this verse from 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is, this is Samuel and, and really the Lord dealing... Um, through Samuel with, with the sin of, of Saul. And it says this, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You know, we, we get it into our mind that we sacrifice for the Lord, that we, that we show up to church, that we serve, that we, that we get ourselves involved in all of these things where we may be busy, all right? We may be busy, quote-unquote, serving or sacrificing unto the Lord. 
But where's our attitude? What's our motives? What's our purposes? Is it truly at a heart that says, I'm obeying the Lord, therefore I'm going to go do this because I love the Lord? Because if we just sacrifice in, in, in terms that we define, and if, if we just serve in ways that we define, then we're throwing obedience out the window. And God says that I, I'd rather you just obey than to show up to every ministry opportunity, to show up to every service, although you should. I'd rather you just be obedient to my word than to do anything else. Now, He wants us to serve, obviously. He wants us to sacrifice of ourselves and our time for him, from Him. But if obedience isn't involved with a pure heart, then we're just wasting our time. He, he wants us to obey. Obedience is absolutely a higher form of worship than sacrifice. Every, all the songs that we just sang tonight were, were great songs, great words. Many of them talked about exactly what I'm going to be talking about tonight. But I, I, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes when we're standing here singing a congregational song, a hymn, or even when I'm standing in the choir, it's easy <clears throat> to just go through the motions of just spewing out the words, trying to sing the right note, trying to blend, trying to not, to not stand out in, in the choir with the wrong note, and people are looking at you and making faces at you, like, like Miss Shelley and Brother Steve are right now. You know, it's, it's easy to focus on, well, I got I to gotta stand here, I got to look good, I got to sound good, and completely lose what worship is all about. And that's obeying the Lord and, and putting Him before all of that and then praising Him and worshiping Him for who He truly is. So those are just three things to think about. Our, our love, our loyalty, our, our laudation, all can, can be displayed by our obedience to Him. So tonight I just want to focus on, on six. I'm not going not gonna to spend a whole lot of time on each of them. Uh, and I know there's you know, some kind of football game going on here, getting ready to start, may have already started. And we'll, we'll get done on time and do our best to let the teens get down there. But let's, let's forget about that for a moment. And let's just focus our, focus our thoughts on the Lord and what He has for us. And what God's Word says is, is more important than, than any event that is going on. You know, I thought I was thinking just a moment ago, there are millions of people right now that are, that are sitting at Super Bowl parties in their homes or wherever. And, and the last thought on their mind is, is God's Word being in church and, and hearing preaching. And I appreciate you, appreciate you being here tonight. I uh, thank you for that. Not just because I'm preaching, but because, because you're here. Um, and, I, and I thank you for that. All right, so let's look at these six things. So obedience gives access to unbelievable blessing. Unbelievable blessing. And the first thing that I want to point out to you that obedience brings to us, the first blessing is the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we're in John chapter 14. And let's begin in, in verse 15 again. And I'm going to read down through verse 18. The Bible says, again, Jesus speaking, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then, it, and then look what the next word is in verse 16, and. Okay, so there's a connection here. All right, he's, he's telling us, you obey my commandments, and here's what's going to happen. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, capital C, that's the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You know, the Holy Spirit is exactly what the Lord calls him here 
and that's a comforter. He is a comforter. When we are cold and shivering in the middle of the night, what do we often reach for to wrap ourselves up in? If we have it, a comforter. All right, it, it, it wraps around us. It keeps, it keeps us warm in a way. It comforts us. That's why it's called that. The Holy Spirit is our source of comfort that abides with us forever. If we are, if we are a child of God, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the spirit of truth that leads and guides us in that direction so that we choose to follow. There, there are two options when it comes to truth. Two, just two options when it comes to truth. We either accept it or we reject it. There's, there's nothing in between. The Holy Spirit dangles right in front of the grasp of our hearts every single day what is true and what is counterfeit. He puts it right out there in front of us. If we're saved, the Holy Spirit is working and talking to us all of the time. Sometimes when we're far away from Him, maybe, maybe the voice is a little bit distant. Maybe we're not hearing it. Maybe we're blocking it off. But it's there. He's there. He's talking to us. And again, He's, he's dangling that truth right in front of us and, all, our, and counterfeit. And all we have to do is accept it or accept the truth and reject the counterfeit. We have everything that we need to make the decision to accept and follow the truth and reject the counterfeit. The question is, are, are we listening and are we following what the Holy Spirit is telling us? And, and how, man, how we take the Holy Spirit, our comforter, for granted. Oh, how we quench and grieve the very source of power that we have available to us. Too, too many Christians have no understanding, unfortunately, of the power of the Holy Spirit because we are so attached to our flesh. We are so attached to it. We live in such weakness that at any flash of temptation or bat of the eye of the enemy, we slip and fall right into the trap. The trap that injures us and renders us powerless and useless in our service, in our witness, in our worship, and in our everyday lives. So let me just stop and, and just ask right there, where is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are we, are we just living weekly and weekly and weekly because we, we are not accessing the power that we have that literally is inside of us, which I'm going to say more about here in just a moment. The, the moment we got saved, the Holy Spirit, we know, comes to dwell and abide in us. From that moment forward, our decision to obey determines whether or not the Comforter will do one of two things. That's do what He is called to comfort or He will convict. All right? when, he, when He is working, we will either be comforted or we will be convicted. And, and honestly, both of those things should be a comfort. Because when we're being convicted, that tells us, first of all, the most important thing is that we're saved. If we're living through life and we can sin and not feel any conviction then we probably ought to check whether or not we're truly saved. Conviction is, is the number one teller that the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. So if that's the case, we're, then there's comfort in knowing that we are saved. Let me, let me share this with you. This is something that the Lord really encouraged me about concerning the Holy, Holy Spirit in recent days and just some study that I've been doing. Turn with me back to Leviticus chapter 26 just for a moment, and then we'll... We'll look at one other spot in 2 Corinthians and then we'll come back to John. But look at Leviticus chapter 26 and begin reading with me in verse 3. Leviticus 26 and verse 3. And this will talk more about obedience here. 
Leviticus 26 and verse 3, the Bible says this, If ye walk in my statutes, in other words, if you obey, keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. In due season. All right? you, you, we often get, the, get, the, get it into our mind that, well, God, I'm obeying you. Where's, where's these blessings that you promise us? In due season. He'll give it to us right when we need it. At, at, the, at the moment that we need it the most, he'll give us those blessings. Then will I give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield her fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto your vintage, the vintage shall reach unto the showing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. Sounds like, sounds like a pretty good plan. Verse 6, and I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. You know, how, how, are you, how are you sleeping? Are you, able, are you able to just lay down and rest your head on the pillow and you just have peace and you can sleep peacefully through the night? If we're obeying, that's the kind of sleep we get. But if we're disobeying, our, our sleep is often, oftentimes awry. And it says verse, in the middle of verse 6, And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And listen to this, five of you... Shall, shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. Man, what a, what a promise. What a promise. For I will have respect unto you. Wow. When we obey, God respects us. And make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant or promise with you. And you shall eat old store, and bring forth the old because of the new. Meaning our, our table will just be replenished time and time again. All right, now, this, this is what really stood out to me. And then we're going to look at another passage here in just a moment. But look at verses 11 and 12. He says this, And I will set my tabernacle. Okay, The tabernacle in the Old Testament when they were traveling through the wilderness was, was essentially the forerunner of the temple. Okay, the, the tabernacle was where the presence of God came down and spoke to the high priest and, and other representatives to present God's word to them. This, this represents the presence of God. I will set my tabernacle among you. Among, okay, remember that word. And my soul shall not abhor you. Verse 12, and I will walk among you. Okay, remember the, again. So he's going to set his tabernacle among them, and then he will walk among you and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Verse 13, I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt that ye should not be their bondmen, and I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. Okay? So, so the tabernacle was among them. His presence was among them. He walked among them. If you, if you look at the Old Testament and study the Spirit of God, it doesn't ever say that the Spirit of God went into man. It says that it came upon them. Okay? It came upon them. All right? Now, turn back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And then after that, we'll go back to John 14. But I, this was such an encouragement to me when I read this, and, and this, this, the Lord really brought it to the forefront of my attention. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Remember what we, what we just talked about, about the Old Testament and how the Lord was among them. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll go ahead and begin in verse 11. It says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged, all right? Paul is burdened for them. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. 
In other words, they're, they're not listening to God's word. They're not listening to the man of God. They think they're, they're doing well in and of themselves. Verse 13, now for a re- recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. He's telling them, be, look, have the burden that I have for you. Consider yourselves and where you're at with the Lord. Verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? The preacher actually referred to that this morning. Verse 15, and what concord or agreement hath Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now, here's, here's the verse that when I was studying this really just jumped off the page. Verse 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now look what it says here. For ye are the temple of the living God. I mean, we, we could stop and just meditate on that right there for hours and, and not even begin to understand the gravity of what that says. That we are, our bodies truly are the temple, the very presence of God. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, look what it says, I will dwell, does it say among them? No, in them. I will dwell in them. The Old, the Old Testament saints, they, they believed in God, and many of them are in heaven today, but they did not have the privilege that we have. God walked among them. The tabernacle was among them. But the Spirit of the living God is in us. What, what, a, what a privilege. What an amazing thing. What encouragement that is. Again, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. And then look at this. And walk in them. Not only is, is the Holy Spirit inside of us, but He's moving inside of us. He's working inside of us. He's, he is, in, in a sense, walking among us, right by our side. But I think even more powerfully, and more important than that, He's walking in us and moving in us. Are we, are, we, are we experiencing that because we're obeying God? Are we experiencing the fact that He truly is moving inside of us because we are walking right by His side and He's walking in us and we're obeying Him every step of the way? Man, that is so, that is so encouraging. Obedience blesses us with the Spirit-filled life. And He brings, he brings us into righteousness. When we, when we are walking in obedience, and we're truly walking in, in the fruits of the Spirit and in the power of the Holy Spirit, in those moments, we are, we are truly perfect and righteous in living that way before Him. Now, our flesh and our soul are still there, and we can still fall victim to sin and lose that righteousness for the time being. But, but God... Is, is so good to us that, that He has sent His Son Jesus to, to take care of us and to fill us. Alright, so that's, that's number one. Let's go on to number two. The second blessing of obedience, and we can turn, go ahead and turn back to John 14, is the manifestation of the Son. And I, I, I love this. John, go back again to John chapter 14 and verse 21. And this is pretty much where we will remain the rest, of the, the rest of the sermon here in these next two chapters. So John chapter 14 and verse 21. Again, the Lord speaking here. Look what He says. He that hath My commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth Me. Again, there's that principle again. If, if, you, if you have His commandments and you keep them, you're, you're showing that you love Him. 
Now here's what it says. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him. And then here it is. And, and will manifest myself to him. The word manifest is, is, to, is to show, to put on display, to make, to make apparent. You know, what a privilege it is that when we obey God, each time that we choose to obey, Jesus is revealing himself to us. He's putting himself on display. What a joy, what an opportunity. What more could we ever ask or hope for? Jesus says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Again, manifest is is to exhibit or to view. Literally, it's like Jesus is saying, I will put on an exhibition for you if you would just be willing to obey. Do you want, this is Jesus, I, I believe, speaking to us, do you want to see who I am intimately and up close? Do you want to see me for, for the real living thing that I am? Then he says, just obey. Just do, just do what I ask you to do. We just have to obey. And it says, it says, he who hath the commandments. If we have his commandments, we're holding them. We're possessing them. It's, it's like to, to have them in your, in your hand in the, sense of, in the sense of wearing a glove. You know, our hands are, are ever before us. You know, at any moment, we can just look down at our hands. And if His commandments are like that, then it makes it so much easier for us to obey. If they're right there in front of us, if His Word is open on a regular basis, and we're memorizing His Word, and we're taking it all in, it, it, we have it. And, then, and it says, we, He that keeps it, keepeth to attend carefully, to take care of, to guard, to observe, to hold fast. You know, here's what it says. You know what happens when, when Jesus manifests himself to us? You don't have to turn there, but I want to read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. I think you probably are aware of this verse, but here's what it says. But we all, all right, talking, talking to Christians with open face, all right, the, that phrase open face, face means an unveiling. All right, with open face, something is unveiled or manifested to us. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass. All right, the glass is, is God's word, the mirror of God's word that we see ourselves in. And we, we should be saying, woe is me. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst, amongst the people of unclean lips. But he, but he says, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. All right, and Jesus is the Word. He's the glory of the Lord. Are changed into the same image. When, when Jesus manifests Himself to us because of our obedience, we begin to be conformed into His image. Each time that we obey, we are conforming and conforming and conforming to His image. From glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Again, so when we obey, if we have and keep His commandments, the promise is that Jesus will manifest Himself to us. Again, what, what a privilege. But what that does is drive us even more and more and more to be conformed to His image. Motivating us more and more to obey and have more shown to us, which drives us to conform more. What an amazing process that God has for us. Do you, do you want to see more of Jesus? I would hope that each and every one of us in this room would say yes. I want to see more of Him. I want, to, I want to see Him on exhibit more in my life than we absolutely have to just obey. Obey like we never have before. Alright, so number three. Moving on to number three. 
Here's the next blessing when we obey. The revelation of God the Father becomes deeper. The revelation of God the Father becomes deeper. John 14 and verse 23, here's what it says. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And that's pretty repetitive, isn't it? I think he's trying to tell us something. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Wow. Think of, look at that verse and, and just think about it as, we, as I read that again. John 14, 23. Look at it. This is Jesus. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Wow. To, to have the same dwelling place as God the Father and God the Son. Abode, again, is a dwelling, uh, specifically a mansion. Same Greek word is used in verse 2, speaking of many mansions that are being prepared for us. These are the only two places that this word is used this, 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 for this word here, abode. When we obey God, we draw closer and closer to the abode of heaven. And, and I know we, we're going to be there one day, but we can have heaven on this earth if we would just abide and, and, and obey. Because it says again, we will come unto Him and make our abode with Him. Again, just amazing stuff to think about here. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, and with obedience, God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son will literally bring the mansions of heaven to us. What a, what a life we can live if, if we would just commit ourselves to, to obeying. Warren Wearsby said this, salvation means we are going to heaven, but submission means that heaven comes to us. So are we saved? That's, that's the most important question. But number two, are we submitting? And if we're submitting and we're obeying, then heaven is coming to us. God's abode is literally being brought to us. It ought to be our greatest desire to know God deeper. And we have the formula to do so. Love God by obeying Him and being like Christ. James 4.8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Obedience is the supreme act of drawing nigh to God. That is a supreme act. If we want to draw nigh to God, we have to obey. If we want to be near the heart of God, obey Him deeper and deeper every day. All right, number four. The fourth blessing is that we will abide in Christ's love. We will abide in Christ's love. Look at chapter 15 of John and verse 10. John chapter 15 and verse 10 says this, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, Jesus says here, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You know, He's, he's literally comparing His obedience to the Father to ours. He's saying that if you're willing to obey, it's going to be just the same as me obeying the Father. Again, beyond what I can even comprehend, but let, let's, let's look at these four things. I'm just going to give you the passages to write down. We're not going to turn to them. But let, let's look at this. Let's remember Jesus' great privilege and power because the Father loves the Son. The first thing there, A, He hath given all things into His hand. That's John 3.35. You can just write down the reference and go back and look at it later if you'd like to. He, meaning God the Father, hath given all things into His hand, into Jesus' hand. The second one says, He showeth him, the Son, all things that himself the Father doeth. 
In other words, he reveals all things to him. That's John 5 and verse 20. And then see, it says, For thou, the Father, lovest me, the Son, before the foundation of the world. John chapter 17 and verse 24. And then lastly, here's again talking about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. John chapter 10 and verse 17. All right, now look at, turn over a few pages to John chapter 17 and verse 26. This is, a, this is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. This is the, what is called the, the prayer of intercession. This is Jesus' prayer. Um, he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples. And then in the last part of the section of this chapter, he prays for us, for the future saints. And that's, that's what I'm pointing you to here. Look at verse 26. It says this, And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it. And then look at this, That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. That is so deep and so powerful and so unbelievable if we just take a moment to ponder that. I, and I have, again, verse 26, and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me, the love that the Father loved the Son, that is a love that we, we could not even begin to define and understand. Although he is trying to give it to us here. He says again, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. That love that is, that is a divine, powerful love beyond what we can even imagine and understand is in us and I in them. Amazing, amazing. This is, again, beyond. The, the, the relationship between the Father and the Son can be the self-same relationship that we have. It, it is, that is just un, unbelievable and unreal. But it's true. It's, it's what God's Word says. And look, if you're, if you're discouraged tonight, that ought to be encouraging. You, you ought to, just for that right there, just for that verse, that, that God the Father's love for His Son is the same love that is in us. It's in us. And there, there is nothing. Nothing separates us from that love Roman, Romans 8 talks about. He lists all kinds of things that neither life nor death or principalities, powers, and so forth, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing. That is just so, so very encouraging. So that's number four. We abide in Christ's love. And then number five, and these last two will, will be pretty quick and we'll be finished up here with a few things. So number five, again, another blessing of obedience is the privilege of His holy friendship. Of the Lord's holy friendship. Look at chapter 15 of John again, verses 13 and 14. John chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then in verse 14, ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. You know, I, I just I wrote this down here. A, a laying down of life friendship. I referred to being a friend of God earlier in the, in the message, but think about that. A laying down of life friendship. That, that is the deepest relationship. That is the deepest friendship that there can be that if, that if me and my friend were, were willing to die for one another. 
All right, and that, that is the love of Christ be abiding in us should, should make us want to do that for our Christian brothers and sisters. Certainly within our marriages, we ought to be willing to lay down our life for anything for our spouse and for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And look, let me ask you this. Does that define your end of the friendship with Jesus? A laying down of life. My, what, you say, what does that mean? The end of my friendship. My end of the friendship. We, look, we already know and believe that Jesus laid down his life, but what about us? What are, what, how important is it to us and in our life in terms of our love for God that we're laying down some things for him? What, what have we laid down for the Lord? What are you currently laying down or, or putting aside or in a sense killing, putting to rest for the Lord in order to keep up your end of the friendship? You know, a friendship cannot work one way. We, we know this. A marriage can't work one way. It has to be both people working hard to lay down their life for the, for the other. And if, and if Jesus, who has laid down his life for us and continues to do so, and if we're not willing to do it, then it's, it's just a one-way track. And, and it's, it's a disappointment to him, and it's a lack and a loss of blessing for us. Are we truly laying down? What are we laying down in order to keep up our end of that friendship that is talked about in these verses. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I, whatsoever I command you. And you know what it takes sometimes to obey is lay some things aside. Get rid of some things in our lives that don't need to be there. If we're, if we're going to obey, that has to happen. The flesh has to be killed. The flesh has to be taken care of. We can't just let it run rampant and expect to be obedient. It's not going to happen. So the privilege of His holy friendship. And then lastly, the power, the last blessing that is mentioned here, the power of effective prayer. The power of effective prayer. And that is mentioned in, in verse 16 of chapter 15. Again, Jesus teaching here. He says, Ye have not chosen Me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. It, it, it doesn't say that some things that ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Um, it, say, it doesn't say some of the time or part of the time. It says whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. As long as you're asking in faith, as long as you're asking according to his will, he, it says right here that he'll give it you. Again, verse 17, these things I command you that ye love one another. You know, th this was something that I, that I read as I was studying for this. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure of the author, but here's what it says. Obedience and faith are simply two parts of one act. Surrender to God and His will. As faith strengthens itself in order to be obedient, it is in turn strengthened by obedience. Faith is made perfect by works. That's what James teaches very clearly. Often our efforts to believe are unsuccessful because we don't assume the only position in which a large faith is legitimate or possible. That, that of entire surrender to the honor and the will of God. The man who is entirely consecrated to God and his will finds the power to claim everything that his God has promised to be for him in prayer. Our, our, prayer, our prayers can be so biblical and so godly 
and so powerful, and there's so many things that we can grab a hold of and grasp onto if, if we would just be willing, first of all, to in faith obey God and then pray in that same faith and, and just wait for the power of God to work. And again, remember, in due season, in His time, He will answer according to His power and His plan. And we are, we are promised that. Imagine for a second that, that you work for a company whose president found it necessary to travel out of the country and spend an extended period of time abroad. So he says to you and the other trusted employees, look, I'm going to leave, and while I'm gone, I want you to pay close attention to the business. You manage things while I'm away. I'll write you regularly, and when I do, I will instruct you what you should do from now until I return from this trip. And everyone says, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> He's going to be gone. We're going to be, going to be a good time. He leaves and stays gone for a couple of years. During that time, he writes often, communicating his desires and concerns. Finally, the boss returns. He walks up to the front door of the company and immediately discovers everything is in a mess. Weeds flourishing in the flower beds, windows broken across the front of the building, the gal at the front desk dozing off, loud music roaring from several offices, two or three people engaged in horseplay in the back room. Instead of making a profit, the business had suffered great loss. Without hesitation, the boss calls everyone together and with a frown asks, what happened? Didn't you get my letters? You say, oh yeah, sure, we got all the letters. We've even bound them in a book. And some of us have even memorized them. In fact, we have letter study every Sunday. You know, those were really great letters. I think the president or the boss would then ask, but what did you do about my instructions? And no doubt the employees would respond, do, well, nothing. But we read every one. So where, where are we at? Where are we at with our obedience tonight? You know, God's Word is full of commands and encouragements to just obey Him. He, we, we know them. I, you know, most of the stuff that I covered tonight, I, no doubt most of the people in this room are familiar with. But the bottom line is, is, is we have God's Word. Maybe we've read it through a hundred times. Maybe we have 200, 300 verses memorized. But none of that matters unless we are putting it into action and we're doing it and truly obeying. So how are we doing with that tonight? If you could bow your heads, stand with me, bow your heads and, and close your eyes for a moment. Um, we're going we're gonna to sing the song, Trust and Obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And if the Lord's speaking to you tonight about, about your obedience and in the many ways that we could be blessed, the many ways that we could be blessed, but we're missing out on those blessings just because we will not give in and completely, 100%, obey the Lord. That's really what it boils down to. Again, we're, we're, I think we're all pretty familiar and aware of what God is speaking in our hearts right now for us to do. The question is, are, are we going to do it?